Welcome to Puck Talk CS. We have the honor of introducing Steve Levy, host of NHL coverage for ESPN with their in-studio show. You'll see him in between the periods after the game. Has worked alongside some of the top talent in the entire hockey world, namely Mark Messier, Chris Chelios, even good buddy John Buchagras, who I've had the opportunity of uh, meeting in Tampa, Florida. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Uh, we got a little snow day for the kids. They're so soft. They're home from school. Growing up on Long Island, I don't think I ever had a snow day. I can't <laughs> remember one. It was a long time ago, but now a little sprinkle. They get a snow day. So what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, actually today I found we actually still had scored for Steve and I. We were one of the first school districts to have uh, virtual days, which, you know, a number of years back wasn't even existent until right. COVID. So, yeah, I think uh, it's it's nice. I hope we're not taking too much time away from that, but we can no, hop. Right yeah, we can hop right in here. So, Steve-O, I think it's time to uh, talk some puck here. Yes, yeah, Steve, it really is a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for joining us here. And without further ado, let's talk some puck. All right, All right. Steve. Number one thing on my brain when I look at TV is to, right now with ESPN is that I did not have this easily accessible when I was a kid. Growing up, we didn't have ESPN covering hockey. And when I first saw your name, it was in the 2022 postseason. I was not aware, Grant, at the time, I was just not aware of some of the names that had covered hockey in the past and were signature voices. What is it like getting new fans in and kids into the game of hockey now? Well, first of all, you're unbelievably young. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> there. Uh, and that's nice, man. Enjoy the ride. It's a fun ride. And this sport and this business is awesome. So lucky uh, for all of us to be in. So uh, it's great. We want to keep adding and introducing uh, new fans uh, into the sport because that's that's the lifeblood of the game, right? That's that's how you perpetuate the sport. And you have to respect the history, I think, to have a proper understanding of the game. Um, but that comes with time. And that doesn't, that doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the, the person going to their first ever hockey game right now or watching their first ever game on TV. And uh, it makes sense we're gaining new fans. The skill level is ridiculous off the charts. Uh, how, how good these, you know, they're kids and they're coming into the NHL and still doing it at a super high level right away. You know, Connor Bedard is the most recent example of that. So that's A. So that's the game itself. And then there's B is the medium, the television. And really now, with, you know, with ESPN Plus, I mean, every single game is on every single night. I mean, just, there's just, if you're a hockey fan, there really is nothing better. And, um, you know, you don't have to necessarily live near an NHL arena. You just don't because everything is available on ESPN Plus. And, you know, and, and uh, hockey, uh, college hockey is, has become so big. Even, you know, I'm a Division three guy. I went to uh, SUNY Oswego. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very proud of our college hockey program there. It's always seemingly in the Frozen Four. And the Plattsburgh-Oswego rivalry is as good as any you know, Division One rivalry as far as I'm concerned in college hockey. So uh, the game is accessible. The game is great. And uh, I think that's what, what attracts new and younger fans. Hopefully, hopefully keeps them in forever. What do you enjoy most about covering hockey? And are there any specific aspects of the game that you find interesting yourself? Yeah, I mean, all of the aspects. I mean, I just, I just love everything about the game. Um, 
best part for me about covering hockey itself is um, I find the guys are the the players are the best players. They're the best. They're the best people. The coaches, the assistant coaches. I've even gotten friendly with the officials. You know, and the the linesmen and the referees are like regular, down to earth, just good people. And um, don't always see that in the other sports. It's it's kind of different. And I think some of that is how you know the the hockey players were raised. Although that's changed. You know, not. Not everyone's Barry Melrose coming off the farm in Canada. I mean, that's, you know, that was a sort of a stereotype, and that's, you know, from the 70s and the 80s. Now, you know, you see Austin Matthews, and, you know, born in Arizona. And, you know, we got a lot of California kids and Florida kids now. So, so that stereotype is gone, uh, but I think still how you are brought up in the sport, around the sport, lugging your own gear going to the rink at 6 a.m., two-and-a-half-hour car ride each way, those kinds of things that ingrains uh, in, your, in, your, in your work ethic, in your soul, um, the kind of quality people uh, that you want to be around. And so I think that, that stays with the game, even though where the majority of the players have come from in the past has greatly changed it. Now, something along the theme of younger kids – where kids are coming from, how accessible hockey is now. What was it like for you in the gap in between the coverage at ESPN of the National Hockey League? As I mentioned, the gap was so long that from the time I was really born to the time I was turned 21, we didn't have that access. So what was it like in between those TV deals? It was hard. It was, it was hard in Bristol. You know, uh, We really just had the highlights on SportsCenter. And, uh, and that was it. And uh, professionally, I, I still go to a lot of games as a fan. I just, I just like it. I pay for my own tickets, by the way. Never had an issue with that. I try not to owe anybody any favors. So Real one. Uh, I still love going to games. And I think I go to more games than maybe anybody in the building still. And that's all the sports. As a fan, I mean that. It's really nice to go to a game as a fan and not have to focus and drill down on every single, you know, offsides or was that icing or how many zone entries they had. And just... You sit there with a beer or whatever and enjoy the game as a fan. It it's actually helps me, I think, uh, in what I do. So, um, so I, enjoy, I enjoy that piece of it, but that period of time, my point is I went to a game as a fan, but I never got to go to a game as – I never worked a game other than the Stanley Cup final. So that was our thing. Barry and I, would, we've been to every single Stanley Cup final except for – you know, the work stoppage and the, uh, the bubble in Edmonton. Um, other than that, we've been to every single Stanley Cup final, uh, dating back to last season from, you know, 1993 on. So, so it was really difficult. So we tried really hard, especially in the playoffs, to make sure hockey was front and center uh, on Sports Center. Um, but, we, you know, we fought the good fight and, uh, and helped, you know, crossed our fingers that one day the sport would return. And now it has, and uh, that, that was a really good day when it was announced that we were coming back into hockey and the rights, and now we get the cup every other day. And I think the, the relationship between the NHL and ESPN and TNT has worked out really nicely for everyone. I got to ask, what was it like to call the longest televised NHL playoff game in history, that five-overtime Pittsburgh versus Philadelphia semifinals in 2000? Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, it was wild, man. Fortunate for a while there, I had the three longest. Cord Miller knocked me out of one of them. Maybe I have three of the four longest televised 
three of the five, something like that. Um, and it kind of became my thing. I, you know, you got to be known for something, and that's a good thing, I guess. Um, and of course, I had nothing to do with it. It's, it's sheer luck, right? It's nothing I did. Um, but I, I do remember, uh, I do remember that one in the igloo, uh, the old igloo in Pittsburgh, and Keith Primo, the much maligned. I think that's part of my goal call on that. The much maligned Keith Primo who scored. And it's funny now to have worked with and become friends with Brian Boucher, who was in goal for that game, which is really wild. There's some awesome stories. But I think uh, the experience of having done a Washington-Pittsburgh game earlier, I don't know, maybe 95, also five overtimes, which is ridiculous, uh, sort of helped me prepare for that next one. So I was kind of ready for it. And um, so the thrill is, you know, there are a lot of little anecdotes, like, you know, press box ran out of coffee. You know, we had a runner. The runner got picked up by his mom. It was a weekday school night. He had to go home. It's two in the morning. Of course he did. Of course he had to go home. <laughs> so uh, there's lots of stuff like that. But I just remember the pressure mounts every overtime you go. And it's, you know, please don't blow the call. Don't blow the call because, you know, you get past three overtimes. Now you're into uh, some rare air. Um, that's a really special sporting event, and that call is going to be played uh, over the years. And um, and so fond memories. I, I love that, you know, uh, being a part of that. And again, I had nothing to do with it. It just happened to be there, and that was nice. But Panger and I really enjoyed that. I did one with Daryl Ray, too. Um, so it's it's kind of a neat moniker, you know, the Mr. Overtime thing is kind of nice. Mr. Overtime. I, I like that. I, for Steve, the few games I've had the opportunity to call I was able to call Quinnipiac at Lake Placid for their EC their conference semifinal and their two games in Tampa and the national championship so the experience in my young experience I fumbling the call was like I I, you feel your heart rate go up I was like I don't know right what what's going to come out of my mouth next so for it's a weird it is a really weird experience to think like that that call like that final whatever I say next is like going to be attached to this in some way so and you owe it to the players right you owe it to the players mm -hmm. to get that right because your voice is going to be attached to potentially their greatest moment in their career in their lives Mm -hmm. maybe right and a lot of those guys Mm -hmm. are not playing in the NHL right so for a lot of them those guys that's their signature moment of their hope they have better things in their future but if not that's their (laughs) moment and there's your voice you yeah. want to pronounce their name correctly. Yeah. You don't want to be the guy that squanders it. Now, I think kind of transitioning to the Rangers side of things, this is a conversation that's gone on, and your first play-by-play call ever at the NHL level was a Ranger game. You grew up, you said Long Island. It's yeah. in your blood. Yeah. Who do you think will be the next Ranger player or current Ranger player that will have their sweater in the Raptors? That's a really good question. Um, you know, Chris Kreider jumps to mind, okay? And I, I didn't realize this until uh, we were in the studio the other day for the uh, Saturday afternoon ABC game against the Capitals, and we were preparing. We weren't sure if we could get Kreider or Fox in a pregame interview. And so we're preparing for both, and my producer, Mark Schumann, says in my ear, hey, you know, Kreider is third all-time in Ranger goals. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, how is, is that possible? <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, it is. So it's, of course, Roger Bear and uh, Jean Rattel. And, uh, you know, you'd have to be in 
older fan or really into the history books to appreciate, you know, how great those two names are. But Chris Kreider is third, and uh, and that's really impressive to me. You know, you make, you know, you rise up to those lists on any original six team, meaning they've been there a hundred years. I mean, you're doing something right. So, so I think I think Kreider's name should be close. Um, you know, we got to see how Shesterkin plays out the rest of the way. Be nice to win a cup to get your, you know, your number up there. But as we've seen, you know, right? So, um, so we'll see how it goes. But Fighter's name, just being on the, the third on that all-time list, that jumps out to me. Now, you've had the opportunity to cover a wide range of sports. Um, I'm curious, is there a particular sports moment or event that is most mem- memorable to you? So listen, I've, I've been I've been so lucky. I, I tell you, I'm the luckiest guy in the in the industry, really, in our industry. I really feel that way to be able to have done it for so many years and really at the same place. And you know, you guys know what's been going on at ESPN over the years. So I've been now my 30th year there. I've been really lucky, and so not just to be there, but to be on the sports. I think I've been to the last I don't know maybe 20 Super Bowls. So every every Stanley Cup final since '93. So I've I've been there. Um, you know I I saw the LeBron block uh, against Golden State to for the Cavaliers to win the NBA Finals. I was in the building there. There was a period of time where Sports Center was going on the road to all the big events, World Series, right? Even you know obviously the, the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, and even college basketball. And so I've seen you know big fights. Uh, Mayweather Pacquiao, we were there for a ringside. He got Mayweather after the fight, and he brought the check up to the set, the Sports Center check, and uh, no, to the Sports Center set, the actual check, his paycheck, which was like, you know, I don't know, it was $25 million, but it's handwritten. And I said to Floyd, I'm like, have you guys heard of direct deposit? You know, but he actually had the check in his hand after the fight. So, you know, to pick one moment is really tough. Uh, being in the building for the Brady Patriots comeback against Atlanta, I think that was Houston, maybe. In Houston, I mean that that was an all-time, all-time moment. Uh, I was in Madison Square Garden when the Rangers won the Cup in '94. You know that's always right there for me, having grown up a Ranger fan. The funny story about that is, so again, I was as big a Ranger fan as they as they come. Forget about I was living 15 minutes from the Coliseum. My four years in high school were the four cup years for the Islanders. Wow. Like insane. And I'm the only Ranger fan in my high school. Behind but, enemy uh, lines. Say it again? Behind enemy lines. Yeah, no, no. It, it was tough. And they always had to go through the Rangers to get there. They always did the first round, the second round, whatever. So so I, I lived through that. But being at the Garden in 94 for Game 7, I never got to see the Rangers skate around with the cup. Because we were a rights holder. And if there was a one-goal lead, which there was, you had to be in the winning locker room, set up on a podium, like five minutes, with five minutes left on the clock, maybe ten minutes. So I missed all the frantic stuff. I had to watch on a monitor, a little black and white monitor, in the Ranger dressing room. Uh, But then uh, got a little champagne, and at the end of the night, maybe two in the morning, finished work. I did get to take a sip out of the cup that night. And uh, there's a picture someplace. I don't have it. I wish... If anybody out there sees this, knows where that picture is, send it to me. Um, <laughs> but that would be, you know, if not the most the, the professional highlight of my career, that's that 
that's right up there. But again, I, I could make a great top 10 list of those as well. Now, something I think that's the most important thing, right? They always talk about relationships um, with everything recently with Barry Melrose and how, how uh, you and John Bucciagras have supported him and, and been vocal online. What is that experience been like for you and um i think in terms of career stuff um you know it's more about like i said the relations so how how have you uh dealt with that situation yeah it's um it's been difficult um so i probably talked to barry two or three times a week still mm-hmm. uh we text yesterday i saw him i was down in florida i went to see him probably two weeks ago maybe 10 days ago we had a good time. We had some chuckles. And look, he's he's in retirement. You know, that's that's what he's doing. So I think he's in good spirits most of the time. Uh, he's dealing with this Parkinson's. That's uh, you know, among you know, there's no good disease, but among the all of them, this is this is a really bad one. And um, Barry's a really sharp guy. And you know, that was one of the secrets to his career on television, his quick wit. You know, and so you just just can't find the right word all the time. And I think. He still loves the game. He still knows more about the game than anybody I know. And um, it just, for television purposes, it was probably the right time for him to retire. Takes all the pressure off. He can relax and play golf and smoke cigars and drink Bud Light, whatever he wants to do. So, But it's, it's been tough. I said on the air uh, the night we went public with that, I think it was opening night of the season this year, I said, you know, in this industry, when you work with someone, uh, you're a colleague. And if if you're lucky enough, that colleague becomes a friend. And then if you're really lucky and you get real longevity, that, that friend becomes family. You know, and Barry's one of my all-time guys. I know all his extended family. And, you know, he's close still with my parents to this day and all that. So uh, we're super tight. I miss him every day. I think about him all the time walking over to the set. It was very weird to not have him at the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, it would be very strange at the All-Star game this year to not see him there. I think hockey fans miss him. I think they miss the big laugh, the cool hair, the great suits and all that stuff. Uh, but Barry's okay. I, like, I wanted to be very clear about that. We were doing these tributes to him on the air, and I you know, got to sort of step back. And it, this is not an obituary. He's not dead. He's, he's laughing his ass off, you know. But he's dealing with something that, that's not great. So he's just in retirement, uh, like a lot of retirement folks, and getting through the days and – uh, we wish him all the best. But I, I love the guy. And I don't know what else to say about him. Now, before we wrap up here, I got one more question for you. Sure. Do you, in terms of the NHL as of right now, as a whole, is there a team right now that you think will be a t- tough to go up against uh, for the rest of the year? Um, talking in terms of the whole league. Who do you like? So I was thinking about this. You know, I'm looking at the Western Conference. That's where I'm looking at. There could be six teams, six, that could win the Cup in, in the Western Conference. And I, I can't believe how stacked it is. And they're going to be playing each other down the stretch. And just, you know, Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, Edmonton, Los Angeles, Vancouver, right? What is that? Is that six right there? I mean, I'm, I've got to be really close. And I probably left somebody out, you know? Like, uh, I can't believe how good the West is. I feel like the West is so top-heavy, right? Those six unbelievable teams and the bottom teams are not that, you know, not that really good and going to need a few years. And then in the East, I think it's completely different, right? It's, it's so balanced. It's so jumbled. 
I think teams, you know, who are four deep right now out of the playoffs, a Tampa Bay or somebody, could make the playoffs. And then, because it's so well-balanced and wide open, really in the East, I think all you got to do is get in. And, and then you have an opportunity to see where you go from there. So uh, I think the power shifts every, almost every year, maybe every two or three years. I feel like the West is, is so top-heavy now, and that'll lead for, uh, for great playoff action down the stretch. One, I'm going to chalk up one last one. Any sure. funny stories with uh, Mark Messier or Ryan Callahan, two former Ranger captains? So they're both great dudes. Um, you know, Callahan probably doesn't get enough credit, right, for being the player that he was um, and, and where the captain, the Ranger captaincy, uh, then goes to, to Tampa Bay and has, a, you know, like a great second career there. Um, and I, I think he, when he walks in, he sort of uh, takes a step back because he's Messier, right? Now, they both wore the same sweater. Mm-hmm. They both wore the same letter on that same season sweater. But I think there's, there's an aura about Mark Messier, right? When Mess walks in a room, when Mess says anything on TV, like I think got a lot of Rangers fans' attention the other day uh, in the pregame, before the game even started. He said the key to the Rangers' success would be they got to get their asses off the boards <laughs> and go to the middle of the ice because that's, you know, it's like, whoa, hey, whoa. And so that got a lot of attention. Uh, he also talked about how one of the Rangers got boarded by Tom Wilson about putting yourself in a bad position. Like, that's like, if I did that to myself, I would have never played 20 years in the NHL. You got to be aware, A, of any player, but B, you know Tom Wilson's out there. You see him coming. Why would you ever turn your back to him? And so that, I'm saying is the, the weight of Messier's words, I think it carries so much in the NHL because of who he is, much like Wayne Gretzky, quite frankly. And uh, so both have been a pleasure to work with. Uh, both have great careers ahead of them in broadcasting, you know, if they want to do it. Um, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And again, growing up as a Ranger fan, now again, I'm, you know, I'm older than Callahan and maybe a couple years younger than Messier. So it's not like I, I grew up watching them, but mm-hmm. certainly not Callahan. But I was, you know, I was a kid watching Messier too. Um, and in 90, you know, I only got to ESPN in 93. So 94 was a year later, less than a year uh, from my time at ESPN. But it's been a pleasure. And um, I'm, I'm not too proud to admit, like, you know, I compartmentalize in my brain. Okay, uh, Mark Messier, he's my colleague. Uh, he's kind of my buddy, my friend. We'll text and all that stuff, and we'll go out to dinner and have drinks and all that, which is kind of cool. And then sometimes I do slip back into fan mode a little bit. And, you know, Mess watches unbelievable amount of hockey. Like, two in the morning, we'll text about a West Coast game. And... <laughs> And I might just text my buddies, hey, you can't believe you just texted me a hockey thing at 2 in the morning. Mark Messi is texting me about hockey. And that's, that's, that's really cool, right? So then I, I try to not put my fan hat on too often. And, uh, hey, he's, you know, he's a colleague. He's an ESPN employee, just like me. But <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different. And so that's one of the, one of the fun, cool things about the, the job. And I just like to see, and I, I close with this, but so it's really cool for me who has spent an entire career trying to get good at this broadcasting, sportscasting thing, to see retired athletes or managers in whatever sport they are, who played at the top of their level in those games, again, whatever sport, they come into the broadcasting world, and I guarantee you they think it's going to be easy. 
know, when they're playing or coaching or managing, they're saying, look at those guys up in the booth. They just show off, put a headset on, and start talking. Now, us three, we know that's not the case. But then these players and athletes come over, and they try to do what we do, and, uh, and they're blown away. And they're nervous. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine them being nervous? They play in front of 75,000 people, whatever it is, a football stadium, baseball, hockey, whatever it is. And so I always appreciate that. And it gives me great comfort in knowing, hey, you know what? Maybe we have some skill on our end, too. Maybe there is a talent. Our work ethic shows, too. And the best example, um, it wasn't last year. It was two years ago. Uh, Mess and Chelly and I did a broadcast in Vegas. This was the game with the Bruins against the Golden Knights. We put the headsets on. Now, these guys have never broadcast a game, right? You can imagine how many games they watched. We know how many games they've played in. They've never broadcast a game. And at the end of the first period, they take the headset off, and they both look at me like they were shot out of a cannon, like they had parachuted <laughs> into a foreign country that they had never seen. And I was just laughing my ass off. Like, they were like, whoa, you know? Like, it was a real adjustment period. And uh, I think they're still tweaking it. You know, they get better every year, as everybody does in every job, in every line of work. So um, that makes me feel good about the business uh, that the three of us have chosen, uh, the sport that we're around. And uh, look, I got really young kids. You know, I just told you they had a snow day today. You know, I got twin boys who are 11 years old. I started late in life. So I got, I got to keep working for a few more years. And I'm hoping ESPN will keep me around. It's all about that, uh, the big bucks if the, for whatever they choose to do in their future. And uh, Steve, listen, I want you to be able to enjoy that time with them. It goes by quick. Um, you know, I remember, like I said, being Steve and I, we would walk home in, in the eighth grade. And that was still in between that time period. Like I said, where we didn't see ES, we all we wanted was to see hockey go mainstream. So Listen, enjoy that time with uh, your kids today, and thank you so much for coming on. It truly is an honor to have you on here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and we'll see you guys down the road. Second half of the season is going to be unbelievable. we got the outdoor games coming up, which will be great. The Rangers will be involved in that against the Islanders out at MetLife. It'll be awesome. Flyers and Devils. All-Star in Toronto is going to be really cool. They care about it so much up there. And then the second half of the playoffs will be great playoffs stanley cup final this year you guys got so yep. can't wait to see everything you guys do and hopefully we'll cross paths in the future thanks for coming on steve all right look forward to it see you matt see you steve take care guys have a good one all right so breaking that down steve levy joins us first of all an honor to have steve on and i think for steve i mean Second half of the season is going to be exciting. Rangers are currently in a skid, but it was awesome to hear the stories of Messier, Cali. Um, obviously, Ryan Callahan was a guy we grew up watching, and Mark Messier is like this figure in our lore, right? Like he was before our time, but you know, listen to Club Thirty last week. Henrik brings up uh, the the nine eleven helmet with Messier, like. His impact and his timing, the, the span he was in New York is so impactful. Um, yeah, just Steve Levy is a signature ESPN voice, a signature name. Um, we didn't even touch upon his commercials. He covered the XFL. He does Monday Night Football. He's covered some of the big ACC uh, college games, like the few of the upsets in the 2016 to 19 span. 
he is decorated and i think obviously um you know he's he's a humble guy I just was shooting it with us about uh the new york rangers and some hockey stuff man yeah he's obviously a legend um and i thought that was great i mean he gave <clears throat> some really good answers there um and i thought it was really interesting when we asked him which team he liked and he no hesitation went out to that west you know and yeah. you know the metro is stacked and you know we're used to dealing with the east but i mean to shed some light over there on the west i mean it is pretty stacked over there so i thought that was really interesting um to to hear yeah i mean the game of hockey is so awesome um you know, like he said, I, I think something that I had the experience recently was I actually went down with my brother to see Hobie Baker rink. It's 100 years old. It was the coolest experience. And something I think that is great is you're from that side of things still where you're going to games. And even for me, for covering games, it's great to see and be able to take things in sometimes not in that like mode. Um, I mean, for him growing up, four years watching the Islanders in high school, that would have been the worst thing in the world for us. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think obviously, like I said, just getting, he mentioned how there's so much accessibility now and it's, it's really crazy because I've had the opportunity now to talk to Sam Rose and Joe McLeodie. Those are my guys because for the longest time, Butchergrass, Melrose, Steve Levy, they had to find other things to do because they weren't main, you know, it wasn't on the mainstream. And um, to see that and what ESPN has been able to do is uh, truly amazing. Them and TNT, you know, right, the split contract. And they'll have, like he said, outdoor game, all-star game, Stanley Cup final, and hopefully the New York Rangers end up there. But, Steve, let's break down real quick. They're in a little bit of a slump. What what are the top three things for you that are, you know, or, or number one thing that really st stands out for how things are going with the Rangers in this new year so far? Yeah, well, first of all, things have not been going our way, and that is clear. Obviously, good to get back on the board here, that last win against uh, Washington. Finally, we beat this team. I mean, <laughs> this is a Washington team that beats out, stands out to you on paper, but for some reason, they've had our numbers this year. And a mm -hmm. team that coming into the season, I know we didn't have high. Uh, we weren't that high on them, um, but they've been credit to them. But uh, number one is obviously the return of Kako Kako. I think that has got to be a huge uh, addition back to this lineup uh, and one that we've missed we really miss Kako Kako um, so that's definitely something that we uh, we missed we really missed uh, second of all again we need to we've gotten a little bit better at it in this last game against Washington but we, again we got to get better with puck control and puck management a little bit better uh, but still we want to eliminate those minor hiccups those mental mistakes whatever you want to call them um, and that's something we need to get better. And again, it's very plain and simple, Chives, moving forward here, uh, rounding out the, the I guess you could say, first half-ish as we come halfway of the season. Trade deadline approaches. Stay out of the box. Penalty kill has been great. But of course, this last week and a half here to start the new year, uh, we've given up the penalties and we haven't, the penalty kill just hasn't been able to do its job. And we've been giving up, uh, you know, untimely goals that, we haven't been hitting the score sheet and jumping out on paper. That game in St. Louis is one as an example. And when you give up the costly penalty and you go from 2-1 to 3-1, I mean, that's kind of what set us back here in some of these games. Yeah, I think it's something we talked about this all year from top to bottom. When the fall off or when something 
happens like a losing streak, how's this team going to respond, right? And I, I like to look sometimes at years past, and I think this is a different year for a number of reasons. And like you said, they miss Kako. Um, you do miss Filipino. He was skating, apparently, um, practicing with Yarmir Yager and one of his coaches in Czechia. But Kako being back in the lineup makes a big difference. He's extremely defensive and uh, defensively responsible. And although he's not the 50-goal scorer that some may have anticipated for when he entered the league, to have him playing on that top line might remedy that, right? I, I do think there's a lot of questions right now, and the team can only respond to adversity by fighting their way through. And Jacob Truba said that. They've had to deal with it before. Last year, Truba answered the bell every single time. November to December 2022, the Rangers went like 5-6-3 and three over that span, and he was throwing checks and fighting people every night. The helmet toss, right? Listen, a losing streak is never convenient, right, Steve-O? But I do think that where fans, one, they'll jump on anything, but two, where I think, you know, you have to look at the positive, I think, or at least have a little bit of hope, is that this team was so dominant the first quarter. And the second quarter was where things kind of fell off. But, um, listen, you'd rather deal with adversity now, and granted, timing's never good, but then... You know, at the time, the, it seemed like the Rangers were coasting a little bit, even with Tarasenko and Kane last year, post-deadline. Whereas the year before, and you see with any team in the postseason, right, like the Nationals, if there's a 20-game season or an 100-game season, if you're hot before the playoffs, you'll go into the playoffs and uh, be able to fight through things. And the Rangers have had that to deal with that before. Igor's had to deal with that before. Um, so, yeah, I think Kako helps. Uh, bring some, you know, balance to the lineup. And, uh, you know, they, they have a trip. They have a, a game, you know, against Seattle, um, which will be played when this is uh, this comes out. And then they have their West Coast trip. And, again, it's an away trip. Going to have to battle out there, man. Like like Steve Levy just said, so these Western Conference teams, Vegas, L.A., they're good. So you're going to have to compete hard against them. And the last time we took our, our road trip, we swept. So honestly, I mean, you can't say um, that we could do any better than we did last time because last time was fantastic. And again, these a lot of these upcoming teams that we're going to be playing, they are playing much better now than they were uh, previously. You know, at that point of the year. So I think we got we got to come out, and again, we got to adjust. We need to adjust, uh, whether that's Laviolette with in-game adjustments. Um, you said with adversity. Better to face it now than later on, but um, you're probably going to face a little bit of uh, pushback and adversity later on in the playoffs. So to me, it comes down to adjustments. And some of these games, you just haven't seen proper adjustments. You go to that Carolina game, you go to this that St. Louis game, you go to that Washington, uh, not the, the one that we just lost. Those games, we struggled to get some adjustments going uh, in, in all those games. So moving forward, that's something I want to see where... Uh, we had that dog in us in the beginning of the year. We were down 3-1, 3-2, bam, we came back, it's tied, bam, we win. Even that game in Nashville that uh, we took away, that wasn't pretty, but we still were able to battle adversity and come back and win that game. And that's kind of something I want to see um, is that fight. It's been a little little lacking 
here at Chives. Uh, but I don't want to see. I'm done with these these four one five one uh, no show sweeps. I, I think we we gotta lay those to rest. Yeah, we'll see what they have ahead of them. I mean, closing in on that All Star break, trade deadline comes up, and then the hockey season really takes off. The spring is always so exciting down the stretch. I think that is it for me today. We'll see what's going on in Rangerland as things move along. There's been a lot of news the last few weeks, and there's only going to be more once we hit that all-star break and move forward addressing trade pieces. Do you bring in a 3C, a right wing, um, see how they do and how how the season continues because we are through the first half. And it was an honor again to have Steve Levy on um, I really hope our listeners enjoy as uh, we had these the signature hockey voice or one of these signature hockey voices on the podcast today. And this will wrap us up here on this episode of Puck Talks. Yes, the great Steve Levy, the legend, joining us earlier today. You can listen, go back and listen to his great remarks over here on our website, on our YouTube at Puck Talks Yes, and our Spotify and Instagram, Puck Talk CS. Thanks for listening, everybody here, and always remember, it's just the luck of the puck.